stories, scripts, and conversations with creators. This is the Brave Maker Podcast. Hey, hey, thanks for tuning in to the 179th episode of the Brave Maker Podcast. We're going live. My name is Tony Gapastone. My pronouns are he, him, his, and I'm an actor and filmmaker, screenwriter, director, living in the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm a Caucasian man with brown hair wearing glasses today in my uh, colorful studio with the, pink, the word Brave Maker in pink behind me. And I love getting to do, to do this show. If you're joining us for the first time because you're here to see our special guest, Cindy Beagle, we're so excited that she's going to join us and talk today. Before we do that, let me give you a quick, cool piece of history with an announcement coming. Uh, I started this podcast uh, and organization in 2018. I did my first episode of the show in December of 2018. I did about 54 episodes uh, by myself with another co-host occasionally named Rebecca Amosa, who moved to Sacramento. Hi, Rebecca. And then uh, on episode 54, I had a special guest named Christina Ray Jackson. Christina uh, was this artivist and actor and advocate and singer and all these different things. And she talked uh, about her story and how being a wheelchair user changed her life and gave her a new perspective. And then after episode 54, uh, I got a new co-host starting in episode 62 uh, from that day forward to today. So 120 something episodes later, Christina Ray Jackson has been Ow! on the show. So Christina Ray Jackson, welcome to the podcast once oh again. Oh my gosh, Tony, oh, speechless. This is so wonderful thank you so much for having me i remember yeah. like it was yesterday the invitation to join you on this show 179 episodes later that is so wild wild uh countless cosplays countless amazing amazing guests i can't even thank you enough for the opportunity i've met so many amazing people i could go on and on about what tony has done for me as an actor, as an artivist, as a human being, uh, he really has set me up for my rocket to soar and I'm excited for what's next. What is next? Tell us what's happening. Uh, so Tony and I have been working in this space for uh, social justice issues, uh, specifically around his first feature film, Last Chance Charlene, Suicide Prevention and Awareness. I'm very passionate about that subject myself, especially in the LGBTQ community, as it has touched my life personally, and I'm off to pursue my artivist endeavors, uh, using art to raise awareness for this social justice issue. So that's what I'm off to do, and I'm starting this Sunday in Oakland for my first show. Thank you to A Spectacular Black Girl Art Show for having me. I will be there. Look for the cherry blossom tree. I will be there showing my work. And a lot of it has to do with the LGBTQ plus community. And I'd love to see you all there. So Christina is going to be pursuing launching out into mm -hmm. the universe. And this is her last show with us for a while. Maybe mm -hmm. for, we don't know. So maybe occasionally come back to co-host once in a while, but consistently week to week, Christina will not be with us as she's pursuing these new endeavors. So we're grateful for you. I will miss you. It will be a weird uh, couple months. I'm going to co-host, I'm going to host solo and maybe have some other mm -hmm. guest hosts along the way. So don't go away. Brave Maker Podcast will still be here, but reach out to Christina. Yes. Christina Ray Jackson. Follow her at hashtag K Ray Cosplay to stay connected with her. Christina, 
Yes. It's going to be, I'm going to miss you a ton. I'm going to keep following and staying connected, but I appreciate you. you. I have so much love for you and your story and what you do and what you've done uh, with me in this, uh, in this space. It's, it's meant a lot. So I'm, I'm sad to see you go, but I understand the, the, the journeys take us in different places. So I wish you all the best. They do. And they won't take me too far as Tony and I have a music video we collaborated on. We've been working on it for about the last three years since 2019. And it's just about ready. I, I know that you sent the drive to Ivan and there's a lot of moving parts like there always is to these productions. But we're just about ready to cross that finish line. So Tony and I will be uniting for that announcement. And I'm very excited for that. Um, as Christina was talking, my mic cord fell out but i'm saying i'm so happy to stay connected and we'll continue to promote promote and cross promote each other and get yes work out into the world so are you ready for your last conversation your last interview for some time i am and i'm so excited for today's guest oh my god she's i will just say she's wild she's from new york and i think we're ready for her all right everybody let's welcome cindy beagle Hi. welcome cindy thank you i'm excited to be here Absolutely. Cindy, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. I know we have some people who are just here to watch because of you, because you have That's been right. so generous to so many people on screenwriting Twitter, which is where we met, which we'll talk about and advocate for. You could be good and kind on social media and make some really good connections that you never know That's where they're right. going to go. So Cindy, thank you for that. So thank you. Those of you who are watching us on the Brave Maker Show on our YouTube channel, please like and subscribe and keep following these great conversations. But let's uh, let's get down to business. Uh, Christina loves to start with a question that will launch us out. Hi, everybody who's watching live. Go, Christina. Yeah, absolutely. But I would be remiss if I didn't first introduce myself properly. I'm an African-American woman. I am non-binary, gay. I have wild pink curly hair and a pink sweater today. And I'm sitting in front of a faux a cherry blossom tree. And with that, now, Cindy, yes, please provide us with your visual description for our listeners. And then we will jump into this interview. Okay, I'm a Victoria's Secret model. I'm <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, all right. Okay. All right. Uh, I, I'm Caucasian, a little older. Um, uh, she, her, um, wearing a sweatshirt. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and some fabulous frames and a beautiful pixie cut. And Cindy, we would love to know your origin story. Tony and I love stories and storytelling. Please share with us your origin story. Where were you born and raised? Okay, and so how has your journey prepared you for the work you're doing today? Oh, I like that question. Um, so I'm from New York, and I think people from New York, because it's so cold, uh, it's kind of edgy, and I think people generally have a pretty good sense of humor. So I've always loved comedy. Mm -hmm. And uh, although I, I started out wanting to be a broadcast journalist when I took a class in grad school, and it was to write a script and Laverne and Shirley had just gone on the air and I used to like, I love Lucy. I thought, Oh, I think I want to do that. Uh, and I, I wrote a script and I realized I, I preferred that over broadcast journalism. Wow. And um, I got really lucky. There was a producer who came to my class and he said he would take my script to Gary Marshall. And um, I believed him. It wasn't true. Mm. What? It wasn't true. Yeah. And, you know, back then there was no internet. So I called information and I hunted him down in Beverly Hills. 
And I asked him if he gave my script to Gary Marshall. And of course he said, yeah, <laughs> that, that never happened. And um, I went out to um, LA on a two week vacation mm -hmm. with names and numbers. And this is a really important point. Somebody, you know, knows somebody and you never know who that's going to be. Somebody might have a cousin, somebody know, has a nephew, somebody knows somebody. Mm -hmm. And so I told everybody that I wanted to be a television writer. And it turned out people gave me names and numbers of people. Mm -hmm. And there was mm -hmm. one, I called a bunch, but there was one that really had the connection. <clears throat> and it was my mother's friend's nephew. Wow. Writer at Paramount. <laughs> and he had written Laverne and Shirley's and he was on a different show. And so when I went wow. out, I got to meet him and he read my script and he gave it to his boss, who was one of the co-creators of Laverne and Shirley. So I had my material read. And so that, you know, the, but I, I don't want you to think that this is just my story. This could be anybody's right. story mm -hmm. is to use resources around you. And you never really know um, who could open that door for you. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, and so what happened was I met with the, uh, like I said, one of the co-creators, he said, you should be a writer. Um, he said, you need to move to LA. Now, here we are all these years later. You, we can talk about that later on if you want to there are different mm -hmm. opinions on that and um i saved money for two years and i wrote more spec scripts and then i moved out as soon as i graduated and and eventually i i ended up my script was handed around again people you know who know people who hear of things and then i i got a job at paramount on a show that was called the bad news bears which was a a television version of a feature film and then mm -hmm. the second show that I was on, and this is where it's really amazing, is my spec script was a Laverne and Shirley. The second show was Laverne and Shirley. Just a wow. coincidence. So cool. Yeah. Powerful manifester. <laughs> you know, I, I believe in that. Yeah. You know, sometimes the answer is no. Mm -hmm. But I think if you don't manifest, the answer is always no. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. She's so, dropping gems. Yeah, so let's talk about let's talk about that. Yeah, first of all, yeah, your list of of screen credits is pretty amazing and pretty yes. long. Uh, from Laverne and Shirley, as you just mentioned, and uh, we'll talk about uh, your connection with one of those actresses there in a second. But you have, you know, from the Jeffersons to Too Close for Comfort. I remember that show too close for comfort head of the class married with children hello so many iconic shows mm -hmm. that people of a certain generation will know and if you don't know those shows go and research them because they're basically yeah. like the foundation of television history so i don't know do you ever kind of like sit back and recognize like oh my gosh i you came up at a time where there wasn't, you know, and I love that you're saying you mm -hmm. knew people who knew people, but where mm -hmm. access wasn't as easy as it was for us today. Like I connected with you on Twitter from a tweet, but you had to do a lot more work and get your script into people's hands with paper and all that kind of stuff. How, how has that impacted you today? I know you're giving back a lot, but as you reflect back on your place in history, what do you think about that? What does that do for you in television history? Well, you know what? Um, in some ways, it was harder than some ways easier. If, mm -hmm. if you want to compare, the diff the difference is is when I first started, there were three networks. Mm -hmm. How many comedies were on those networks? It was from eight to ten with comedies, right? Ten, yeah. to ten, and that was it. Then they added Fox, right? And then I worked 
I did a bunch of shows for Fox. So on each of those shows, they were, the staffs were bigger. You could get 14 writers or producers in a room. So now let's look at now way more shows, mm -hmm. much smaller staffs, only seven, eight or ep episodes, right? How many episodes? Sometimes you get lucky and, and it'll be 10 episodes. So what happens is people get on these great shows and then they do the 10 episodes. And from what I'm hearing is uh, they don't get to see them shot anymore. So, mm -hmm. you know, they write them in the summer and then one writer stays on with a producer. Everybody else is gone and then they shoot the episodes and nobody even gets to see the episodes. Now, it would be different if you're doing a multi-camera show because it's in front of an, an audience and you have to rewrite all the time. So th there's, a, there's a big difference there. So um, the other thing now, you know, there are contests, there, you know, it, fellowships, internships. It, it's it's so different. But... Um, yeah, I think I, I worked at the best time, but because reasons that you don't realize, it would be that you could walk onto stages and watch people, mm -hmm. their shows, you could watch them rehearse, nobody mm -hmm. kicked you off. So you would be, you would be sitting there and, and these shows got 60 million viewers. Mm -hmm. Now a hit gets between seven and 10 million viewers. So it, it would be pretty fun. And it was more like a college campus. You'd have executive producers with five, six shows turning out pilots all the time. You have Chuck Lorre, you know, maybe there aren't a million people or, or the Dick Wolf's mm -hmm. world who are just turning out a lot, a lot of shows and you get in their stable and then you get to keep working. So some things are similar and some things are very different. But the other thing that I think I was very lucky is these iconic shows to me were very funny. They were they were laugh out loud funny, mm -hmm. and they were real characters. <clears throat> you know, like if you like the Jeffersons or the Golden Girls, or you know, I wrote for Mama's Family. These were people mm -hmm. that was so. These characters were so much fun to write for. Now, is it's much more realistic. Mm. I don't know. You know, it's not as broad. I don't. I don't know. Like I watch a show like like Hacks or Ted Lasso that wins Best Comedy. To me, it should be best dramedy. I, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't really, I, I think they're great shows. But yeah, but I, the genre. Yeah, I don't laugh out loud. Yeah. Uh, Can you share a little bit of what the experience was like as a writer during that time, being able to sit on set, hear your lines read after you just have written them? Like, what was that experience like? Are you ever on any of the laugh reels? Like, how, how involved <laughs> are you able to be uh, once you leave the writer's table? Okay, so let me give you a couple of examples. So the first show that I was on was a one camera show, which was a, which was kind of unusual then. There really weren't any. So you, you don't get an immediate reaction because there's no there's no audience, right? The second show, like I said, was Laverne and Shirley. And that had an that was the first one that I had an audience. And so um you were gonna if your line lasted all the way through, you were gonna, gonna get to hear it live or die in front of an audience and you would do two okay. shows so you would, you would get two shots at it but one of the things that was really fun was um you know you had to have the courage to pitch jokes at a table where people were very very funny really funny and so if you pitch something and everybody laughed it it was like winning an emmy award when you were young <laughs> if it died they're just quiet and you have 14 people look down and like, crawl away. It would just be horrible, horrible. And so in the beginning, you feel very shy about doing that. 
the best example that I could give you on Laverne and Shirley, for instance, was um, my partner and I, we were put together and it was the first script we wrote together. They just put us together and said, you're writing a script. And um, there were there were a couple of jokes that I had in the script and I was praying that it would make it through because every day the show was rewritten from top mm -hmm. to bottom. Mm -hmm. And really good jokes would stay and a lot of it would go. So you really, the to get a joke to stay the whole week is really, really hard. And what happened was in this, the, the, this, the final scene, and I can't even explain why, but the girls are sitting in their living room and the door, the door is open and a live grizzly bear comes in. <laughs> and they were sitting on the, the couch facing the camera and the, and the, the bear was going to come up behind them, which is pretty funny because they also can't be afraid. Even, you know, you can't show that I know a bear is coming. So they have to be eating and talking like there's nothing going on. But the bear was trained on scooter pies. And so uh, they were eating a scooter pie. So they hold it up in between them. And the bear comes in and goes right over and grabs oh the, the, the scooter pie. And they start screaming. Okay. <laughs> they start screaming. And they, there were a lot of tricks to that scene. And it was really funny. Mm. The director, Joel Zwick, I talked to two weeks ago. And I was asking him a lot of questions because I was like, wow, you know, that was must have been a really hard scene to do. He said, it was impossible. You have a bear. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a real bear. It's a real bear. So a real giant black bear. I don't know. It was a grizzly bear, you know, like nine feet tall. A giant bear. Yeah, that is wild. That would never happen today. We had written it with a lion. Right. And, and, and oh. the script, it said the lion enters. That was like so yikes. Cool. Enters. And the trainer said lions might eat people. Yeah. It's true. It's a, a lion. True. But we got a bear. <laughs> so you can have a bear. So then we, we cross that out and put the bear enters. <laughs> so in the scene, because the bear was trained on sugar, mm -hmm. they had in, in, the, in the series, Laverne likes Pepsi. Uh, milk and Pepsi. So they had a Pepsi and the bear will go wherever the Pepsi is. So if you watch it, you, you know, after I tell you this, you'll, you'll see like from behind the scenes, how they did this. So now what happens is they're screaming and there was a, there was a line that said like freeze and it'll fly away. And it's like, no, those are bees, not bears. <laughs> and then they were in, in the episode, Laverne has a cousin from Italy. Who's like a zoo keeper or something. And, they're screaming and what happens is he comes in and he says something in Italian and one of them girls says what what did he say and the bear stops I don't know how they got the bear to stop the bear kind of mm. stopped and they said it must be Italian for don't kill the virgins <laughs> well what happened was so that that was a line that I had the censor said you can't say virgins uh, oh my gosh it makes it all through the week and okay you can't say virgins and it was like, come on, that is ridiculous. So what happened is in the rewrite, the producers put a really disgusting joke in it. And so when the when the censors saw that, they said, you can't have that joke. And they said, well, give us back the yeah. well, virgin wow. line. And, and you it got went, it back. Yeah. Yes. That's how that works. Got it. <laughs> yeah. There. You know how gratifying that was to see sure. that? Joke? You know, I was a young writer, second show. To get that in, that goes all the way through. Now, here's something that's maddening, and there's nothing any of us could do about it. So all the stuff that you see on YouTube, and even from what I'm understanding, the DVD sets, mm -hmm. they're edited. They're taking like the syndicated versions where they chop a lot of jokes to keep, and they mm. keep the story. 
And so the the really original originals, I don't I don't know if we get to see them anymore because I are they gone forever? I watch Mork and Mindy on on YouTube. I've seen them recently, and I'm like, those jokes with the whole front of the scene is gone. I can't mm -hmm, believe yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And so I think, yeah, I think, I think maybe forever. I don't know. Wow. Mm. You're this vault of television history here, and how things have evolved yeah. and changed, and. Uh, you know, obviously so much is going, you know, we're seeing bare butts and uh, almost every word but the F word happening on mm -hmm. broadcast television these days by how things have changed uh, in good ways, which, which is great. Uh, I, before we, we talk about other things, I know there's some uh, really cool, you know, connection and partnership you had working on uh, Laverne and Shirley. And specifically, um, I know we have a photo. Let me see if I can pull it up here. Hold on. Yeah. You and Cindy Williams. Can you talk about uh, your relationship with, with Cindy? So, you know, just imagine somebody that you're just dying to write for, dying mm -hmm. to meet, somebody that you really look up to. You have a one in a zillion chance ever being in the same room with them. And then you get to write for them. And then they say your words. And then you get to know them. And they're as great and as, fun as as you imagine. Mm -hmm. So um, I was just very excited being there all the time. And I wasn't, I know everybody wants to be a television writer and you think that no matter what show that you, that you would be on, it would be very exciting, but some shows really are boring <laughs> and you're looking at <laughs> all day and you're going, uh, I just don't, you know, I just want to go home really. But every, you know, but there were many, many shows that I just, I love being there. And that was one of them. And, um, and it was a show that was in the tabloids all the time because the two actors, although they were friends, they were also like frenemies, you know, that mm. they were, you know, they were in the tabloids for counting lines. She had more lines than the other one had the more lines. And, but when they worked together, it was gold. And they would say that if you look at any interviews about them, they trusted each other. And everything that you would write, they would squeeze jokes out of just saying hello. Mm. So it, it, it was very, very magical. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I know you're going to show a, a scene later and then I could really point out to you how, mm -hmm. how, what the difference is from then and now. And, and I think shows like Abbott Elementary is, is a great show. I mean, there were things I that know. I don't want you to think that I only like what was back then, but it's always been hard to do physical comedy. Even mm -hmm. back then people smile and tip a joke. Um, you know, you, you want it to be believable. You want the character to believe what they're doing. Mm -hmm. There aren't a lot of people that John Ritter was very good at it. You know, nowadays they don't, I don't really see that kind of thing. Although at Night Court coming back and the mm. 70s show coming back as the 90s show, I, I'm seeing a hunger for this sort of comedy. And and, I'm, and it surprises me too. I, I, I'm happily surprised. Night Court's doing very, yeah. very well. Mm -hmm. And they always had puns and they had silly little things and they had magic and, you know, bits and stuff. But I, I think people want to just laugh, not think a whole mm -hmm. lot. Um, 
What was your question? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, we had that, you know, oh, that, that yeah, picture yeah. of you and, and Cindy yeah. Williams. So, and she yeah, recently. So, yeah. So I was, I was really devastated hearing that she passed away. I, um, I was really shocked. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was anything wrong with her. I don't know what happened to her. Um, I had, I have some fun stories about knowing her back then in, in relation to the show and stuff, but I hadn't seen her, you know, in like 35 years or something. And, and I was at a, a literary salon, which I go to, and she was there and we reconnected. And that was really, really fun to see her. And then mm-hmm. I saw her about a year later, which is the last time I saw her, which was in 2016 at Gary Marshall's uh, memorial service. And she was great. And she had written a book. And I, I told her a story that she really laughed at, that she didn't remember it. And she wanted to hear more. And she invited me to Las Vegas to see her show. And she said, wow. you can stay, stay with me. It was, and then she said, she gave me her phone number. And I, I did call her. You know, I, I, it never happened. But um, that was the last time I saw her. And, you know, she was very warm and fun, mm-hmm. friendly. I feel Cindy, terrible. we're so yeah, we're we're so sorry for your loss, but we really appreciate you being here and sharing uh, the memories of the two of you. And energy never dies, and uh, the photo does capture something very magical. This journey that you are on is very incredible and magical. You said something. Everyone wants to be a television writer. I was a kid growing up wanting to write for SNL, but I didn't pursue it with the same vigor and belief that you have. So we would love to hear more, you know, inspiration about crossing over, getting past the insecurities of am I good enough? Are my jokes good enough? And just chasing that dream. Uh, Maybe you could share what you do to stay invigorated in this space and motivated and maybe some magical moments in your career that can inspire us. You know, um, what's what's really funny is when you're starting out, how do you know if your stuff is good enough? I mean, it's it's yeah. it's, it's the question, isn't it? Yeah. And um, I wrote five spec scripts, mm-hmm. and each one got better. And okay. what's very funny is years after I I when I was successful, I had. I was cleaning out some stuff and I found my original scripts and I thought they were terrible. And wow. I thought, and I thought, what did they see? You know? <laughs> and I think at that point I probably was too harsh. And, and what happens is I think that showrunners that read a lot of scripts realize that you're a beginner and they look for things mm-hmm. that aren't professional but where there's raw talent. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that the person that, one of the people that helped me was Lowell Gans, like I said, a co-creator of Laverne and Shirley. And he said something to me that was really invaluable that really gave me some confidence. He, he said to me, first of all, he said, you have no idea what a story is. <laughs> <laughs> he says, you know, and he said, but you can learn that. And he said, what you don't know is your scripts have like five themes to them. You know, it's, it's Laverne and Shirley against their company. It's Laverne and Shirley looking for dates. It's Laverne. You know, I, I, he said, so you have to pick one, you know, mm-hmm. one thing. And and he said, there's a beginning and then there's a middle. And, and remember, we're talking about network television here. Mm-hmm. Uh, streamers are different. 
you know, they don't have act breaks when you look at scripts and stuff. There's no big commercial, except they are putting commercials in uh, now. Yeah, now, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, um, and he said to me, in the middle of, in the middle of the episode, there's an, uh-oh, what happens when we come back from the commercial? And he said, but here's the good news. He said, you're funny. And he said, you can't teach that. He said, you can learn format. So, so first let's, let's talk about that. So if mm-hmm. you're looking to do comedy, you need to be funny. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen people on Twitter say this to me and I don't know them, right? Mm-hmm. Say, I always write drama and now I'm going to write a comedy. And the question is, are they funny? <laughs> you, you know, maybe they are. I don't know them. I don't, I don't know them. So I, mm-hmm. I no judgments on them at all. But usually uh, people that do comedy are usually the funny people in their classes. They're funny mm-hmm. in their families. They're funny ev- everywhere. And people always say, you know, you're funny. So I think that's a part of it that that is mm-hmm. still important is that I, I saw one guy once that I knew he wasn't funny and he wrote a funny script. So that can happen. I, <laughs> no, I, I, I was amazed. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is when uh, when somebody hires you, it gives you a boost. And you think, yeah. or if you win a contest, you know, right? Um, yeah. And for me, I'm talking comedy because that's my area. If you ask me about like an FBI show, I, I don't really know about that. I can only talk about comedy, really. Um, um, it gives you confidence. So the first day of work, I remember, uh, they gave me a scene to write by myself. Some people were paired and I was by myself. And and here's the thing that gives you some confidence. They don't send you off with nothing. They send you off telling, telling you, and especially when you're new, they give you the roadmap of the scene and they give you a couple of jokes. You need to, you okay. need to connect them. And so, and they give you a time limit, which is scary. They'll say, be, be back in an hour and a half or two hours, what, or whatever it is, or we want this amount of pages or whatever. So you're sent off with jokes that are going to work, a couple of jokes that are going to work. So that boosts your confidence. Then what happens after you write it and everybody writes their scenes and you come back to the table, when you're new, it's very nerve wracking because they're going to read it out loud in front of everybody. <laughs> and, and, you know, you're just hoping that your stuff hits. But they're very happy if you give them back what what they gave you. Mm-hmm. As long as they see those jokes, mm. they're, they're really happy. So you start to gain some confidence. Where, where it's scarier is at the table when you're when you have to pitch mm-hmm. and, you know, um, some people I've, I've seen on Twitter say, don't say anything the first week or two and, you know, get the feel of the room. And I understand mm-hmm. that. Too. But when I started, these particular guys said, we hired you to talk. Yeah. Nobody was arrogant. There was nobody that was going to take over the table. We were terrified. <laughs> so Cindy, you have, yeah, you have uh, so much to share and encourage. And I definitely have questions i'm sure christina does too we have about 20 25 minutes left so if you are 
uh, watching live, and I see some of you are, and you have questions, you can throw them in the chat box. Our producer, uh, Amy Cohen, is also on the other end live as well, uh, taking notes and quotes. By the way, you and our producer, Amy Cohen, have a similar vibe and aura uh, being from New York. I love it. So uh, just meeting you in person is super cool. And Amy, shout out to you who are helping produce. Uh, we send yes. so much love to you. And, and and so cool to have Cindy with the same New York kind of vibe. I love it. Um, so so I'll look into the, the comments for questions. But meanwhile, uh, on Twitter, you do talk a lot about things that people should do and, and shouldn't do. And this, this business is a lot about relationships. Yes, you need talent. Yes, you need to write spec scripts, which are scripts that you write in somebody else's voice uh, for like, an, like I could write a spec script, a script for Abbott Elementary, like an episode of another show that I did not create uh, so that they might see that I could write in their voice that it might be staff. That's what a spec script is. Um, but what are, let's talk about some do's and don'ts. Maybe, you know, things that come to your mind. You've also helped make connections and then people have kind of burned those bridges. <laughs> Uh, in relationships. So uh, I know people always like to hear like, what could I be doing? What are some top things I should be doing? Or what should I be avoiding? What's good? What's what's not good you know, in the business of, of being a screenwriter? What comes to your mind? Well, you know, I, you know, I, I um, started like over 40 writing groups. And most of them didn't make it. But there were some that are going and they're going strong. So I think one of the things is, is that you get uh, peer um, mm -hmm. comments. Yep. You have to remember they're not professionals. Yeah. So they could take you to a certain level, mm -hmm. but but they're not going to take you home, right? So that's the that's the first step. And you have to remember something. When you're in a group, even if you take a class in school, you're meeting people that are going to make it, whether you know it's your classmate or whether it's yeah. a group. And and um, I know people now, I could tell you of uh, people I've introduced, they're getting each other jobs and stuff, and that's mm -hmm. pretty pretty fun uh for me to see that so the first the first step is that the other thing that has changed a lot is contests hmm. and, and i saw somebody the other day i'm sure you've seen him online i i i'm not remembering his name he won uh screencraft mm -hmm. um and he has all kinds of stuff now that he's because what happens is the managers use it as a as as a filter so if mm -hmm. you meet in in cer certain contests, yeah, they know. They know those. It, it, but you have to score high. Yeah. You really need uh -huh. to win or be in that upper one to three percent. You know, yeah. like Manitas and, yeah. and Sundance and the Nickel and Page and the Austin. Yeah. You know, Austin I think his comedy. So that's another way to start to get noticed, and you put it in your profile, in your bio, mm -hmm. your Twitter page. So when people are going by fast, they see that. Somebody I know that got a job got a job because he, mm -hmm. he got a one percent in Humanitas, and on Coverfly he's also like in the top one percent. So they were looking for somebody, and he they found him on LinkedIn. See, that's the other thing wow. is the things that people don't realize yeah. people can find you. LinkedIn is a really good source. I know a lot of people say. Nah, I don't think so. But I'm knowing people that are getting things. Um, yeah. That. Then the, the next step to me, I mean, I, I'm telling you the way I think, like if I was going to mm -hmm. do it now, besides networking, the most important mm -hmm. thing is, you know, you go to those David, St David H. Steinberg has those, if you're in LA, uh, you know, has those, mo those uh, monthly um, meetups in Santa Monica. I think that's really fantastic. There's also uh, Colin, um, getting his last name, 
what's it, Elberg, I forget his last name. He has the online Zooms. The online Zoom is wonderful. What they do is they, let's say you have a hundred people, then you have five people in smaller groups and yeah. you talk for like 20 minutes and you get to know people. And I go on it and I talk to people and it's really fun and they get to meet each other. So if they live somewhere other than LA, they have an opportunity to meet people. Then the next step to me, and I think this is really critical, is you need a professional to read your script. Mm. Now mm -hmm. you need 500 bucks or whatever, you know, or $500 and get somebody that is has either been in the business or is a bona fide teacher that, you know, that's recommended. And you know that your script is the best that it can be. That's your calling card. And... Mm -hmm. And the reason that a lot of times they want pilots and original work, it used to always be they wanted a pilot and a spec script. Mm -hmm. What was there were, weren't that many shows. So when people were reading them, you know, if you said a certain show, they knew it. But now people, if you do a spec and of all these shows that the person reading it goes, well, I don't know who any of these characters are. <laughs> the pilot, they're yeah. introducing the characters. So for the fellowships and the internships, a lot of, if you do it for Warner Brothers or CBS or any of those, they give you the list of, of shows that is acceptable to them for a spec script. Hmm. But when you're submitting mm -hmm. to a show or something like that, they, you know, so you could use, you could use what you need two scripts. You can use a pilot, mm -hmm. you can have your second as a spec, and then you have to hope that they know the show that you're doing. Good stuff, Cindy. Uh, I, I hear you talking about a lot of making sure we're developing relationships with our peers. We need mm -hmm. to have relationships with other screenwriters, knowing that we're going to be coming up together and we can uh, resource each other, give comments. Uh, we need to be going out and, and networking and finding other groups that we could attend and meeting with professionals. We need to invest a little bit in ourselves. I hear you saying too, pay for a reader, uh, take a class with somebody who's a professional, who's a way above you that you can learn from. And then contests are always a thing too. But I love too that all of that stuff, nothing guarantees, right? This is a very challenging business uh, to, to aspire to. Uh, I'm wondering what you think about um, writers making stuff and making you know shorts and that kind of thing as a way to get their stuff out there. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm seeing a lot of that kind of stuff and I'm seeing people get attention for that. I think if you're that type mm -hmm. that you know how to do, a, you know, a crowdsourcing, get some money yeah. or have a bunch of friends. I know a guy who did a, a, a really great thing recently. I don't want to say what it's about because he didn't put it out yet. He went to Ithaca College. They have a really great department there. And um, so everybody stepped up and helped him make this great thing. And it's, you know, the little bit that I've seen is very professional and that's going to be his calling card. He's going to, you know, put it online. He's going to let people know about it. That is a fantastic way to let people know what you do. Um, I love that idea. I, I just cool. don't know that everybody can do that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, or would want to, Yeah. but it's a fantastic way to do that. You know, I used to hear people always say, um, you know, they used to look at like student projects, like if you graduated from USC, they'd say, oh, it's such a good film school. They'd want to see their, you know, their films, anything that, you know, I'm a big believer in school because they'll give you mm -hmm. cameras, they'll give you a crew, they'll give you all this stuff. It doesn't cost you any money. But if you're past that, 
and you can make your own stuff. The other thing that I wanted to talk about, and this is, this was good a few years ago. I don't know how good it is now is becoming a, a product, you know, a PA, a writer's assistant. Um, that was always a great way to break in because they would give you a script to write at the end of the season. I lost uh, freelance scripts to writer's assistants. Um, but what's happened with that, and I still think it's a great thing to do. You'll mm -hmm. learn. And that's important. You'll learn. Yeah. But I don't know how much of a stepping stone it is. The people tell me that it takes them eight to 10 years Ooh. to make it as a wow. writer. That's really yeah. common. So if you, you know, you'd have to put that in your frame of mind. This is going to take eight to ten years, and and I can't tell you if everybody has talent or not. I I don't I don't know. I don't know how the people. Mm -hmm. You know, are they getting the jobs because they're friends with people? Are they getting the jobs because they have great scripts? I I don't know where the breakdown is of, of eight to ten years, mm -hmm. but I hear that over and over again. And so I, I wouldn't like that the eight to ten yeah. year thing. That was too long. <laughs> too <laughs> long. Mm -hmm. We have a question about protecting your intellectual property when submitting to pilots and specs. Anything you want to comment on that? Well, you know what? I always thought that registering at the Writers Guild uh, was the thing to do. But mm -hmm. people on Twitter who are entertainment attorneys say that you should register it with the Copyright Office. Okay. You, you can register up to 10 projects in one with one fee. And the reason that they say that you should do that is because they're saying that a lawyer will not take your case without doing that. That okay. it affords certain protections that the Writers Guild registration doesn't. Hmm. So, um, and I, and I want to say this about stealing and plagiarism. I have had things stolen, as every working writer has at hmm. some point. And there's not—you'd really have to have a lot of guts. Um, and a great case to proceed to to suing a studio. I do know people who have done it. I know people who have done it successfully. Mm -hmm. It does tend to end your career. Mm. Um, it could. It could. So the best thing to do is hope that some, really, you know, you, you register it, you hope for the best. If it's a big hit, then I guess people go and sue and they'll, They'll win something, but that's not really what anybody really wants to do. Mm -hmm. I guess people do steal things. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah. Really good. If anybody else wants to pop another question in, we have a few more minutes. Go for it. Christina, do you want to share anything before we show this Laverne and Shirley clip and go to our lightning round? Absolutely. I grew up watching the shows that you have written for and shows are very different now. They're not as laughed out loud. I really loved Married with Children. This might be difficult to say, but could you pinpoint what is it about the comedy, about the writing that really hit in a way then that we're not seeing that much now? One of the things is, uh, uh, you know, woke, politically correct. Um, okay. Sensitivity, whatever word you want to say. So mm -hmm. let's look at marriage with children since you 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 pick that out. I think it's a yeah. great, a great example. What uh, people don't realize is that Married with Children was created as the antithesis, as a joke to the Cosby show. Not, I'm not talking about the Cosby stuff, you know, I'm talking about mm -hmm. Cosby had the, the Huxtables, had the perfect family, you know, it was mm -hmm. a wonderful show with great kids and the parents were loving and bright and everything, you know, it was just the perfect family. Yeah. 
So Ron Levitt and Michael Moy wanted to create a show that was the antithesis of it. It was, it which was, is already was funny. Horrible <laughs> things to each other, and Al was the sexist jerk. And um, but you have to remember he he was he was a loser. He was a bad shoe salesman. I don't know, right? Um, so right. yeah, and and so when you look at it with that point of view, however. The kind of jokes is he would come home and he would say a fat woman came into the store or they were terrible overweight woman come mm-hmm. into the store and he would say something horrible to her. Mm-hmm. He would say something back to him. Right. Mm-hmm. He couldn't do this anymore. I don't know. I, I, you might do it in animation in animation because it, they're not real characters. You can still do some more things. But this was a cartoon. Married with Children was a live action cartoon. So that's one of the things is a lot of people now are afraid, including myself, you end up censoring yourself. Right. I censor myself. You want to be kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what? we we do want to move in a, a kinder, more gentler space in writing and television and film because it has been so damaging to so many communities in the past. Um, so yeah, it can be, you know. Let me give you an example of something that my partner and I went through that we we really didn't know the answer to. We were doing an animated show. It was an edgy show, you know, that was going to be, you know, out there. And each of the characters had a bad trait. You know, one was lazy, one was stupid, one was, you know. And so when when you're talking diversity and you want to be diverse, who do you assign to the characters that you already have? It's a problem because people are going to think you think that about mm-hmm. an entire group. And so right. what ends up happening is the diverse character becomes a softer character because you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Mm-hmm. It's different if you're you're the one writing that, but it depends who's writing the material. Mm-hmm. So th- there isn't a, an, an answer to that other than you could make fun of your own mm. more than so you, you know. can roast but only your own people okay well you know uh you know i mean mel brooks wrote yeah. springtime for hitler but somebody else could not do that it really depends mm-hmm. on 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 who's writing it because then you know the intention yeah so right that's key I'm not, I'm not really sure Mm-hmm. About, you know, Mel Brooks has a has a, a sequel coming out in March of history to the history of the world part two. We'll see how far he goes in this. I don't know. I couldn't do it. I, I censor myself. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I saw when I started uh, following you at one point, I think, I don't think it's there anymore, Cindy, but you had sorry for the fat jokes in your Twitter yeah. bio. Oh and- my God. I'm going to put it back because I put the Mastodon thing. I didn't know if Twitter was yeah. going. Yeah. Cindy, that's lovely. Yeah. And I think that's something interesting. That's a conversation about, you know, evolving, right? And how yeah. we present our characters and how we write characters mm-hmm. and uh, and the representation of characters right we don't right. want to body shame people and you know so mm-hmm. so yeah I, I always remember that and appreciate that that was there in your uh in your bio well i want to um show a scene uh that you sent over from laverne and shirley uh you were in the writer's room of which is so cool and there's something kind of fun and significant of this scene so we'll uh we'll share a minute or two of it but, the you top. know what let me let me Go preface ahead. it because yeah. yeah it goes by very fast 
Okay. So um, I, I, I want to say that the customers are the writers, the actual writers on the show. So and fun. I'm on, you, you'll see there's a point when Shirley's walking by and there's a group of motorcycle uh, a gang, a motorcycle gang, and I'm on on the left wearing a a, uh, a cap, you know, a black cap, and I'm wearing a motorcycle jacket. So you have to look fast. Yeah. And then my, my my partner is 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 in there too, and 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 I don't know what we're gonna see, but she has the line, "Hey twerp." So All right, good. <laughs> Let's watch it. This is great. Right, hold on here. Uh, Got to make sure everything is good in the. Um, in the speakers so you can all hear i'm hoping this is going to go off cindy is this your first other. appearance on the show <laughs> in in, in it is? television i i don't think i was ever on television before or after oh my gosh okay <laughs> this is wonderful and they gave each of us a line so we could get paid and so my yes. your acting debut and end all right here we go <laughs> This has been uh, such a treat. Episode 179, Cindy Beagle. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We're not done yet. Yeah. Uh, we're going to ask you to stay around and tell us your fave of the week. Brave faves. TV shows, films, books, songs, technology, clothing, podcast, food, and more. These are a few of our favorite people, places, and things. Brave faves. All right, today is February 1st. It is a very special day, not only because it is uh, one of my last episodes, we'll see, but today is Nigel Shelby's birthday, and if you don't know who he is, Google him. He has inspired a lot of our work as artists here on Brave Maker, and my brave fave is the Thrive Upstander Honoree Award winner, Kamika Shelby. This is his beautiful, lovely mother, and she continues to fight for LGBTQ rights. She spreads love and joy and we honor her and her work and we celebrate the love of her beautiful son. What a lot of people don't know is that black youth such as myself, who I used to be, we are four times more likely to die from suicide. And so it's definitely an issue in our community and she continues to use her voice 
and her strength to spread joy and awareness in this area. So shout out to you, Kamika Shelby. We love you. We are sending you good vibes and energy today and celebrating your beautiful sun. And that is my brave fave. And you could definitely reach out to the National Black Justice Coalition to join the movement. And with that, I'll turn it over to you, Tony. What is your brave fave for today? Thanks, Christina. My brave fave is the 2023 Sundance Film Festival. Oh my gosh, I just yes. got back uh, on Sunday night and it was such an awesome experience. Again, this was my 11th time in Park City. Well, wow. two, two of those times were online because of the pandemic, but I've been going since 2013 and it has been incredibly inspiring to me. There would not be a brave maker if it wasn't for Sundance. Uh, I, I went in, into Sundance in 2013 uh, my life was radically changed, and I made my first short film in 2014, and then took me about 10 years to make my feature film, uh, which is right over here, Last Chance Charlene. So I am so grateful for the inspiration, the community, the volunteers, the programmers, the filmmakers, and the films. So many great films premiered, 111, I believe. I saw 14 of them. Wow. And I, yeah, I know. One of my favorites was Julia Louis-Dreyfus a New York based film, Cindy, uh, called you hurt my feelings. So be on the lookout for you hurt a my comedy? feelings. A comedy, dramedy. Yeah, okay. I cried and I laughed oh, and it's all about, okay. it's all about artists and how our feelings can get hurt, but also about parenting mm -hmm. and, and being a kid and marriage. And it's just, oh, it was just so good. So that's my brave fave. Cindy, what's your brave fave? My brave fave is reboot. Yes. Hulu's reboot, which is going away. The, the, one of the few shows that I, I just laughed out loud and I thought was so good. And it, so many people liked it. I don't understand why it's canceled. I'd, I'd like to know. I like jokes where, um, you know, they're, they're rebooting an old show, they, they, you know, they brought back and they're on the set and a woman comes over to the actors and she goes, Oh, yeah. it's, my first time I, it's my first time on the set. Uh, um, and and she goes, I'm new to humor. And they go, Oh, what do you do? And she goes, I'm the vice president of comedy. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh, so well, fun. If you haven't seen it's only one season now, but I would say if you know, watch it. It's funny. I think it's laugh out loud funny. I like the old writers, I like the new writers. <sighs> yeah. I agree. I think yeah, that was one of my brave faves in the past too, Cindy. I'm going to yeah. miss that. It was just fun to watch though. Cause like, you know, as, as a writer and as a filmmaker, you know, we love that kind of stuff. I think most of yeah. the times it's super fun. Mm -hmm. All right, Cindy. Well, don't go away. Uh, everybody else. Thank you so much for watching the show and being a part of brave maker. You know, uh, every week when we end the show, we say thank you for being a part of our community. Uh, our, our organization is a nonprofit organization. We cannot do this work without you. Uh, so if you are somebody who is a generous person and would like to continue to help us do this uh, this work, you can go and become a supporter, a sponsor, a donor uh, at bravemaker.com. You can literally use your phone and just text the word bravemaker to this number, 44321. That's 44321. Text the word bravemaker and you can become a donor, a monthly donor, $5, $10, $25. It all helps us to stay on the air, pay for our, our streaming subscription, our gear and all that kind of fun stuff and then when we get a little bit extra we're able to do movies we are making movies original content short and feature length and uh, all of our monthly givers at different tiers can get on our sets or be executive producers of our, of our, our stuff you can imdb us and see all the stuff we're doing but we are so grateful for the 29 people who give every month 
to enable us to do this work. And let's turn it over to Christina to thank our team. Yes, I want to thank our team. Before I do, I want to thank Cindy. Uh, she's going to be my last guest for a while, and I can't Yay. think of a better note to end on. I uh, won a contest doing open mic last April, and it has really boosted my confidence. So what Cindy said about confidence, it really is key. So just get out there and try things and enter contest and keep going. Yeah, I'll be doing comedy at my booth at the art show. You can come check that out. I hope you enjoy my set. It's called It's Time to Get Sober, and I'm celebrating a couple months sober now. So that's very exciting. And I want to thank our amazing, amazing team. It's been such a pleasure to work with you all. Our live show producer, Amy Cohen, get well soon out of Austin, Texas. Barnell Amos, our podcast editor. Our social media manager, Carrie Alley, both out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's been wonderful working with you all and meeting you at last year's film festival. And I hope to see you all again this summer. Yay. Join us yeah. next week for our 180th show with Eric Haywood, who is a writer and director uh, known for shows like Empire. Uh, we're really excited for him to be on the show. Hope you will join us in talking with him like we have talked with Cindy. So, Cindy, yeah. thank you so much for being here. Thank this you. is so, so great. You've offered so much great wisdom and mm -hmm. uh, love connecting with you on Twitter. Anything you want to say before we, we jet out of here? I think you guys are doing a great job. I'm really impressed. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, so you. Much. Thank you for yeah. inviting me. We hope we, we'll, we'll have you back in the future. We would love to have you back. And uh, yes. don't go away because Christine and I always like to get a little screenshot, a photo with you via the, the screen here. So don't go away. Uh, Cindy, we'll see you in just one minute. Everybody else, last time, Christine and I will say this, <laughs> brave stories change the world. And you are the story. Bye, everybody. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook at BraveMaker.org. Like, subscribe, and share. To become a monthly donor, text the word BraveMaker to 44321 or go to BraveMaker.com slash donate. Thanks for tuning in.